Well, good morning. We're uh, finally to the message part of this uh, of the service today. We've had a lot of good elements. I did I did enjoy the growing up thing, and I really enjoyed the fact that they showed a girl's room because they knew what a boy's room would look like that whole through that thing. It would be a disaster the whole time. So um, this morning, welcome to Words on Worry, Jesus' Words on Worry. This morning we're going to talk about, um, we've been, well, we've been talking about Jesus' Words on Worry, specifically from Matthew 6, um, where he says, do not worry. And for many of you, you know, you, you live a life, and you're coming into the fall and the busy time of life, and you're like, that's easier said than done, yeah? Like, don't worry, really? I just don't worry, just turn it off. And for some of you, like, your brains are wired for worry. Like, you've done it really well for years, or maybe you even, anxiety is an issue for you that's deeper than just, well, I just need to work on that. Like, you know it overruns your life sometimes, and you wish you could just turn it off. And you, one side of you is like, I know I shouldn't, and yet I find myself doing it. And you think, Man, not somebody else is just going to tell me like, oh, well, just don't do it. It'll be better. See? Smile and be joyous. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Not in real life. There's too many things going on. And so this morning, I want you just to listen to the words of Jesus because while it might not be, this is not a quick fix solution. And this morning as we talk about this, it's not about something you do once and everything's better. It's about rewiring your person and your soul and allowing yourself to do that enough that it begins to change the, how, how you approach life and how you approach worry and how you approach the things that are around you. So let me read you from Matthew 6, Jesus' words. Do, so do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. And here it is, what we're going to talk about today, and break this down and unpack it. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And so we've talked about in the past weeks, like God is our provider. The Father already knows what you need. And before you, before you know that, before you know what Jesus did on the cross and how he made peace with God, before you take a step in faith and as you're exploring that, you go, oh, I don't know, and then you just begin to trust what Jesus did, and then you realize God has his best for you. He's not angry with you. He wants to provide for you. He knows what you need. And you begin to seek the kingdom, which means you stop just living your way and you stop just seeing life as like, this is it. I've got to make the most, like, if things go wrong here, this is it. And you begin to see eternity and say, I'm going to spend eternity with God, and that's all part of it. And then he says, live righteously. Now, the question is, how do I live righteously? What does that exactly mean, to live righteously? What is it? What, how do I do that on a regular basis? Because if you're like me, you know, you might, you might come on a Sunday like today and you're seeking it, you're seeking God's kingdom. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. You weren't interested a little bit in God. You want to show it up today. But then you want to live righteously and you leave the service. You're like, man, I'm so pumped for what God wants to do in my life this week. Man, I'm going to do it. What happens when you get up Monday morning? It's like a truck hits you, right? And you're like, Oh, I want to be so excited about God. Where did it all go? What's going on? Why can't I make the right choices? And this is what today is about. It's about Jesus saying, listen, I want to teach you how to do that. So we're going to look at the way Jesus modeled that with his disciples. The solution that Jesus offers is not just turn worry off. The solution that Jesus offers is reframe your life with me regularly. That's the solution he offers. So here's, here's what I want to ask you this morning. I want you to sit back for a moment and we're going to watch, we're going to take in a song, and as you take in the song, I want you to just think about this. What are the environments that you have in your life 
that help you to live righteously, to live the life that God's best is for you. Like, that's what, that's what living righteously is about. It's about God's best for you. So what are the environments that help you live out God's best on a daily basis in your life? Are you missing them? Do you have them? What's your life look like, and what do you want it to look like? Let's watch. Christ's invitation to us. 
In the first week, we talked about how the definition of worry is being so preoccupied that your life is full. Your days are full, and yet you are unfulfilled. That's the essence of worry, is that thing that happens inside of you when your days are full, but you are unfulfilled. And Henry Nouwen says, in Making All Things New, that without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live the spiritual life, to be in tune with what God wants for you. It's virtually impossible without silence and solitude. And so if you want to pull out your thing that looks like the scoop today, you can pull out your outline that looks like this. You pull that out. You follow along the day as we enter in and talk a little bit about Jesus' way of reframing life and how he taught his disciples to do it, what he teaches to us. And that's that silence and solitude, solitude can help us reframe our anxiety first in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, we, our lives are reframed. In the presence of Jesus, our full, very full lives, we put the pause button on our very full lives to assess where can we actually be fulfilled. How can we find fulfillment? Now, it's easy to get caught up in everything that's coming. You know, school's coming, and schedules are coming, fall sports are coming. Like, there's all these things just on the horizon. And, and, if, and if you're like me, like, you have a propensity maybe to ask what-if questions, you know? And you can get stuck in those in different seasons of life. Like, man, what if I lose my job? Or what if I can't get a job? And your kids are going to school, and you're like, well, what if my kids don't make honor roll? Or what if they never leave home, right? Like, like all of these what-ifs in your life. And you go, there's this internal turmoil. And you know it's there. And you, like, you prefer to ignore it, but you know it's there, this unfulfillment in your life. And, and, and when you hear silence and solitude, you probably go, well, that's nice, Pastor Sean. You should try living my life in the real world where I work more than one day a week. It's hard when you work more than one day a week, right? So this is what I want to give you an essence of this morning as we look at Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at Jesus' life. And his, and his closest friends and his followers' life. Now, these guys, you might think that Jesus, like, he just kind of, like, was mystery van rock star, right? Like, Scooby-Dooby-Doo and all that kind of stuff. Like, whatever, we just kind of, everything works out. And, but that's not the life they lived. They were actually very busy. Imagine being the guy who can heal anyone, and you're sought by everyone. And your disciples, and things are really happening. Your disciples are out there healing people, and they're casting out demons. No one has ever done these things before, given sight to the blind and raised the lame to walk. Like, you are very much in demand. And this is the point in Mark chapter 6 in the story of Jesus' life where we find him and his followers. They are very successful. They are overwhelmed with the amount of needs around them. And on top of it, because of their success, guess what happens to people like John the Baptist who announced Jesus is coming? He gets beheaded because nobody likes when someone's popularity rises and threatens their own power. And so in the midst of all this, they're also grieving close friends who they've lost. And, and, and at the pinnacle of Jesus' career, I mean, this is like the pinnacle. Everyone is out seeking him. Everything is up and to the right, and success is on the door, and it's overwhelmed with the amount of needs. He does something that is so counterintuitive that it would make you question his leadership time and time again, and no one will ever write a book about it. He says to his disciples in Mark chapter 6, he says, the apostles, his friends, gathered around Jesus, and they reported to him. They were like, Jesus, I told this guy, I said, I said, rise and walk, and he did. Jesus, this, 
This whole crowd, like we touched them and they were like healed. Jesus, imagine, like this is all going on. And they say, they're reporting all that they've done, all that they taught, the gospel's being taught. People, more people want to know about it. And then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Like so many people were surrounding them and seeking them. And this is what Jesus says in the midst of the rush and all of the overwhelming need. Jesus says, hey guys, Here's what we're going to do. I know all these people need us. I know that we're in high demand. I know we're like on the rise. Let's take a break. Let's get away from all of this. Let's go out on our own. Now, I know it's like most of us are like, what? Well, I'd like to do that every day at work. Like right when everything goes crazy, I'm like, hey, everybody, let's just take a break. It's, you know, the phones are ringing. Just let them ring. It'll be fine. But Jesus actually does it. He doesn't just think about it. He actually does it with his disciples. They get off on their own. And they say, Jesus says, it's time to get away. Now, why would he do that? Because he's really saying, if you don't reflect on your life, you will just live it without any meaning. If you don't stop and pause and think about what's happening in your life, your life will just go by, and you'll continue to be unfulfilled. It'll be full, but you'll be unfulfilled. So it's our propensity to stay busy, isn't it? it? That's not normal for most of us, isn't it? When things get busy, we get, we get busier. We try to get them done, and we try. And if we can't be successful, then maybe we withdraw, but it's not to reflect, it's to feel bad about ourselves. And, and, and even in grief, I remember when my mom and my dad passed away, my mom said to me, I'm just trying to stay busy so I don't cry. Right? We had this conversation about grief. Like, I, I just don't want to cry. I just don't want to feel any of that. It is not normal for us to do something different. And the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude are not about withdrawing and feeling bad about ourselves, but rather withdrawing to reflect in the presence of Christ, to know who we are again, to know how God really feels about us. But that's not easy. And and I I remember reading one writer who described it kind of like a friend of mine described deer hunting with his son recently. We were talking about, like, we both grew up in Perry County, and we were talking about our kids. And I said, so, you, so your kids, he loves, he loves guns, and sons love guns. Like, so you guys hunt? He's like, tried it. It's like, this is how it went. We sat down in the field. A buck came up across the field, and I'm like, yes. And he said, after about two or three times of me doing that, he went, what? And the deer went, off the thing. He says, so I tried it a second time. Same exact thing. He's like, that's when I realized my son doesn't really get the whole like crashing through the woods, making noise. It's not a good way to see a shy animal, to see that like quiet moment. And the same is true for your soul in the presence of God. If you go crashing through your life, you'll rarely spot that moment where God meets you in silence and solitude. But if you're willing to slow down and be quiet, still you might just get a glimpse of that. And it's easy to think like in silence and solitude is about, well, well, oh, you want me to read something, or you want me to ponder something intriguing, but that's not really what it's about. The point of silence and solitude is to come before Jesus empty-handed. Like, I, I got nothing, Jesus. I don't need anything to be here and, and vulnerable, you know, exposed. Like all of this, just nothing to prove, nothing to, to defend, just, just being in the presence of Jesus. This is the whole point of silence and solitude. This is what Jesus was inviting them to. To seek and live righteously means to say, hey God, I want to come into your presence with no pretense to seek you and to understand 
and see life the way you see it. So Henry Nowen says that solitude is not simply a means to the end. Solitude is its own end. It is the place where Christ remodels us in his own image and frees us from the victimizing compulsions of the world. Solitude is the place of our salvation. That's why Jesus lived this way. It says in Luke 5 that Jesus, as often as possible, Jesus would withdrew and go to the out-of-the-way places to pray, to be in God's presence. So we're going to do that this morning. Just I'm going to do it, we're going to do it for five minutes right now. Now, I've got to warn you, if you don't do silence and solitude often, I'm going to tell you from my own experience that the five minutes is going to seem like a lifetime to you, and you're going to want to excuse yourself and go to the bathroom or do whatever, because five minutes, and especially, you know, I know, I get it, you're going to sit in the crowd, we're going to bring the lights down a little bit so it doesn't feel like you're just right on top of each other, but there's going to be distractions that are going to come into your mind. There's going to be things that are going to like come knocking, and you're going to be tempted to give up. But I want you to slow down anyway, to use silence and solitude as a, as a gift. Now, Inside your program guide, you'll see, every pull out, there's a little card in there that looks like this. If it didn't drop out already, you'll find it in there. And it has some guidelines. On the back, it says silence and stillness guidelines. And this is what we're going to use this morning, silence and stillness guidelines. Okay? So in this next five minutes, here's what's going to happen. You're, you're going to feel like I, I, had, I lived for many years, right? With, I was like the guy, the guy in the neighborhood who lived with, like, all his doors open. Neighbors could barge in at any time. And, you know, that's, that's the way my life was. All, every urgent thing that came into my life, every distraction was like, ooh, look, oh, look. And it welcomed it all in. And I was always in a hurry on the inside. And the first time I began to, to, like, take time to kind of close the doors off and say no to the distractions, they were like angry neighbors knocking and pounding on the door. Right? I want in, I want in. But eventually that does go away. You practice it enough. And so we're just going to give you an opportunity this morning to practice it. To sit down and take a few deep breaths into silence. This is what the card says. To choose a simple prayer to express your openness and desire to God. So it could be it's some examples of the prayer there. Jesus, here I am, Lord. It can be Jesus, have mercy on me. It can be scripture, like do not worry. Uh, scripture is the anchor that always draws us back to who God is. But to kind of draw yourself back and say no to the distractions over and over again. To close your eyes and offer that prayer to Jesus, to offer that scripture to Jesus. You can use like Jesus' words, like seek the kingdom. Just when distractions come, go back to that prayer. Seek the kingdom. God, I just want to seek the kingdom today. Whatever that is for you, I want you to do it for the next few minutes. Whenever you become distracted, just offer the simple prayer again. Take some deep breaths and go back in, okay? Now, I know that this is going to be awkward for you, and it's okay. We're going to bring the lights down. We're going to do it for five minutes. I'm going to set my timer on my phone, okay? So you don't have to be nervous about when this is going to be over. It'll go off, okay? Until it goes off, we're here, okay? And so here we go. Five minutes. If you guys want to bring, bring the stage lights down, and we'll just, there you go, all right? For five minutes, here we go. Let's practice what the card says this morning.
Okay, so how many of you felt like that was like eternity? Anybody like honest? Like that was felt really long. Did it? I mean, okay, yeah, thank you, Andrew. Being honest, I, I did too. I was I mean, I, I had to preach a sermon yet. I'm like, gosh, get this five minutes over with, right? Like that was actually in my head at some point. Like, like, oh my gosh, like really I need to slow down, right? So what are some of the, let's describe, let's just debrief for a second. What did it feel like to you? Anybody want to share, like, what, what were things that, like, what was difficult for you in it? Anybody find, like, that was difficult for me because you guys are just really good at silence. Is that what you're telling me? How many of you, oh, yeah, go ahead. How long is this going to go, right? Like, are we going to, is he ever going to, is that timer for five hours or five minutes? Yeah, so, yeah, okay. What else? How many of you found yourself, okay, so some of you guys will probably relate to this. How many of you guys found yourself in your nothing box? Right, like, I wasn't thinking about anything. Like, everything left my head for a second. Like, I wasn't even, there was nothing to even center on. It was like empty space. No stars, nothing, right? Like, okay. Okay, how about some of you who are wired, like, there's still, like, how many of you had distractions that kept coming back? Anybody have like that? Yeah, things. Okay, so anybody feel like in that moment, I just wish my soul, like, I, I realize now in this moment of quiet that things are spinning on the inside, and I wish they just slow down. Anybody feel that? Like, I, I really would like to be calmer, more at peace on the inside. See, this is... This is the point of silence and solitude, and not just to be quiet. Like, that's a gift in itself, but to, to, actually, to actually have, with this flood of to-dos and everything else that's coming, to actually have a moment where you invite Christ into your life, into your presence, and say, I just want to know I'm loved, God. I just want to know that your hand is on me. And that's what solitude is about. In fact, one author says this about solitude and about why it's so important to reframe our worry, and our preoccupations in life. In solitude, we stop believing our own press. Take that in for a second. In solitude, we stop believing our own press. We discover that we are not as good as we thought, but that we are also more than we thought. Isn't that great? We're we're not as good as we thought, but we're also more than we thought. There's more to your life than that Instagram. There's more to your life than that next success that you can have. There's more to your life than just changing diapers or satisfying someone else's whatever they need in your life or getting the homework done or getting to jaw your work on time. There's more to life than all of that. And that's, that's how I feel. Like My wife once asked me about like when I, I guess last year, I took her, she went out for the first time on the motorcycle with me, went for a ride. It was about a 30-minute ride. I talked her into it, and she, she got back afterwards, and she said, do you always feel like God's presence is right so potent when you're on your bike? I'm like, yeah, my riding motorcycle for me, that's exactly what it's about. It's not about being cool or having a bike. It's about, this, it's about the essence of like no phone calls, nothing else, no radio, no TV, just me and God's presence. And to be just myself, nobody to impress, nobody to talk to, just to slow down and to say, God, I just want to be your friend again. I just want to be in your presence again. This is God's gift to us. So just one last thought on this. There's this short story in Exodus 14. It's actually a long story, but it's a short scene of the story in Exodus 14. And it's a man named Moses who is a leader of a whole nation of people. He's leading them out of Israel. 
Israel out of Egypt, and he's backed up against the Red Sea, and the Egypt's army is bearing down on them, and they're all nervous and worried about what's about to happen, and they should be, and this is what Moses says to them. He says, the Lord will fight for you. So stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord today, because the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to stand still, to keep still. Only to keep still, that the Lord will fight for you. This is a promise that God offers you, that if you'll just keep still, you'll sense his presence. Now I want to tell you about one more short thing, and we'll make this quick. I want to tell you about silence and solitude in the presence of companionship. To not do it alone, but what that looks like to have be in the presence of called out companions and how that's an important part. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to actually get away with some called out companions. And we don't, we don't just go out and do things that are fun. We actually, we actually plan times where we can get out into the woods or get out on a hike or get out into some place that has some solitude. And we spend half, about half the time we spend debriefing with each other and about half the time we spend actually being quiet in God's presence and then helping each other process that. And, and learning how to slow down and tell our story, learning how to reflect on what's important. And that's the life-changing process. It's not just getting with a friend and backing up the truck and dumping your worries on them. You know, isn't it tempting to do that? I'm just go back up the truck and dump, unload all my worries on you and feel better, but never bring them into the presence of Christ. And that's what God wants for us, is to bring in the presence of Christ, is to learn to slow down, to breathe deeply, to say, God, what do you want to speak to me about this? How do you love me? And that means listening to each other and speaking into each other's lives. And that's, what's, that's what I love about us doing that. And it's a bit like, for those of you who've been married um, for very long, you know, especially once you have kids, like your life gets kind of crazy, right? I mean, and, 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 and you end up, if you're not careful, just sharing information with each other, with your spouse. That's all you have left. Like you're going to bed, all you have left is to share information. Now, don't you know, and, you, and I know you feel this, when you're in that phase of just sharing information, what are you missing? You're missing feeling connected and having belonging. And this really goes for any relationship. If all you're doing is sharing information with your friend, you're missing something and you know it. Because real friendship, deep friendship, are the times where you do more than just share information. You actually reflect about what's going on in your life with that person. So when Susie and I, Susie and I have made it a, a habit now to get away and to be just by ourselves so that we're not just in the crowds, but to get away on a vacation or for a few days we escape together so that we're not just sharing information, we're having fun together and we're reflecting on life together. And we still even do a discipline of like we'll go for a walk together because it's a time where we can share more than information but reflect on our day. And that's, that's what it's all about. That's where life change happens is in relationships. You need relationship to have life happen to you. So it's reassuring when you can do that in the presence of Christ and you can invite friends who want to follow Jesus together into that process. Because in that time when you're going away to be like silent and solitude and you're a little intimidated because it's like, oh man, 30 minutes, what's going to happen in the 30 minutes? Am I just going to sit here? What's going to happen? But to do it with someone else and you all just, okay, let's just, spread ourselves by 10 feet, right, and just sit here and then debrief and retell your stories, you realize, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one struggling. Not only am I not alone, but God could do something in that person's life. He might do it in mine, right? And change can happen. And these people are encouraging me on their journey, and we all need that. 
God is interested in you. Now, if I was here, you today, and I was paying attention to this message, I would be saying, okay, this whole silence and solitude sounds great, but now I'm thinking about my life, Sean, and I'm going, I got, I got kids. You have no idea. Like, when I go to slow down, it's to sleep because that's all I got left, right? I've been out all night with these kids. I got nothing left but to sleep. It's 9 o'clock. This is when I'm slowing down. It's 9 o'clock at night, and my spouse is talking to me, and at mid-sentence, they're like, like they fall asleep while they're talking. Have you ever had this happen? Like you're falling asleep while you're talking to someone? Like this is how exhausted you are. And yet, if you don't slow down, you know what's happening inside of you with your kids, and it's not good for them either. It's not good for you. And if, and if, you're, if you're someone who, like, man, you're a teenager, and you're like, come on, slow down. Like my phone is dinging. I just got a text. Oh, man, I got to check my Instagram and see how many likes I got on that cool thing that I just put out there. Like, do you not understand that God doesn't need any filters with you? That if you would slow down and be in the presence of God, you would know for certain that he loves you more than you love you, more than your friends love you. And if you'll slow down and be in his presence, you'll remember that. And if you're, if you're busy and you got work and you got so many projects to do, do you know if you don't slow down, you're not going to know what's important and you're just going to do the next thing on the list and it's not going to be the thing that God is inviting you to and you're going to miss God's best. And if you're running your kids around to all the sporting activities and you think, I really ought to just have taxi cab on the top of my car because that's all I do is drive them to and fro and, and you think that somehow when you're at that sporting event that if you miss a quarter of that person, of, that, of your kid's game, they will need child, they will need therapy for the rest of their life, right? Like it's okay, walk away for a moment because you'll be a better person when they come off the field. Wouldn't it be better to be a better person when they come off the field? Slow down more present with God so that you can reflect with them their game. Like, they will appreciate you for it. Now, what can you do? How do you approach this? Well, there's two things I want to offer you today. One, a small group, and, and you see those things in your, in your activity today. It's a great place to call out, find called-out companions. In fact, one of my dearest friends who I, is my called-out companion, and I meet with him every week, and we've done it for like 18 years now. You know where when he was? He was my first small group leader. So we still are together because I found a called-out companion in a home group, and that's a great place to find those relationships. And, and for some of you, like you've never had this time alone, Taste of Sabbath is going to be a great opportunity for you to just say, I've never done time alone. I need some guidance on how to figure it out. Then come this Saturday and let someone guide you through that process, and you will be so glad that you did. Took time to slow down. God wants you to be free from your worries. He wants you to help rewire them, and you need to take the opportunity over time, even if it's just five minutes a day, to let your mind be rewired by God and to see life the way he sees it so that you can live life the way he desires you to live. Let's pray together. Lord, today we confess our lives are full, but we've not experienced the fullness, Jesus, that you, prof- that you promised, the abundance that you promised, a very full life, not just a full schedule, but a full life. So Lord, to say, help me, help each person here to find a time during the week, even just a small time, to pull away. In solitude, to seek your presence. Nothing to prove, just to be present with you. I pray for every person here that they might find a call to a companion, that you would help them to seek opportunities 
to be with others, to do life together, to seek God's kingdom together, and to be reminded of his unfailing love together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.